Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clean. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. Welcome, everyone, to episode 200 of the NBA podcast. I'm Brian Taporic, and unfortunately, we don't really have that much to talk about today. It's going to be a kind of boring episode, I think. Uh, No, just kidding. The NBA exploded on Thursday. So we're going to be talking about the Kristaps Porzingis trade out of nowhere, the latest on the Anthony Davis trade rumors, and some all-star snubs. Before we get underway, a reminder that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handles to give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We're now being hosted on Spreaker, so check them out on Twitter, at Spreaker. Joining me today, as always, is my very stable genius of a co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? I was up late, Brian. I was up very late. (laughs) Me too. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. Yeah, I, I was not expecting yesterday to be such a crime scene. Because, you know, the trade deadline is a week from yesterday. So I thought, like, all right, that's going to be a mess. But, man, the, yesterday is one of those days where you're at work and you're just like, I don't know when it's going to end. I was literally editing an article about Kristaps Porzingis' potential trade landing spots. And then Woj comes out and is like, oh, by the way, he just got traded. It's like, yeah, that's those are 15 minutes I'm never getting back. Thanks a lot, Nick's. Felt like the Isaiah Thomas New York Knicks era, where the trade would like be <laughs> rumored and then executed within a matter of minutes. Right. Yeah, it's spectacular. So we'll we'll start on that in a minute. But joining us today for episode two hundred is a very special guest, a guy who once contributed to the NBA in some capacity, but now has not done one. He's only done one meaningful project in three years, according to Twitter. Mark Deeks, everyone. Mark, how's it going? Well, all the better for your warm and wonderful welcome there, uh, Brian. It, it was either that or, you know, a very close personal friend of Ben Dowsett. So a huge, huge compliments all. Thank you. Yeah, I'm like the opposite of the uh, of the trade deadline yesterday because what happened there was uh, an, uh, a story was formed, an idea was happened, and it took place really quickly, whereas I uh, take ages over nothing. So, yeah, I thought I'd inject some levity, some nervous energy, and a certain down-tempo-ness to your otherwise spectacular podcast. That's perfect. We are looking forward to it. We figured we yeah, had we you need on. It. Yeah, we had you on. I for... mean, we, we were a well-oiled machine, and then we kind of need to, to not be for at least an episode, so that's fine. Right. I'm looking yeah. forward to the awkwardness. Yeah, I mean, I could, it, you can tell it's a great podcast because of how well you treat your guests. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> at I... least this time, we didn't have anyone booked over you. Oh, there you but, go. Has yeah. that happened before? And I didn't know about it. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. 
<laughs> it really is the dregs, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> hell, okay. Well, you know, until until you can get someone else, if you need me to stop the recording at any point and get someone else in, I'll understand. But until then, you're stuck with me. Right. We we tried to get Knicks fans on here, but they don't exist anymore. So we'll we'll settle for the British guy. Hey, Brit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so let's start, guys, with this Knicks trade. That I mean, it literally came out of nowhere. Like Woj comes out. The middle of Thursday, like right around noon Central Time, and he comes out and says, you know, Kristaps met with Nick's management Thursday. He expressed his frustration with the franchise, wasn't sure they were building a winning culture, left them with the impression he wanted to be traded. So naturally, NBA Twitter freaks out, and people start throwing around trade ideas. We don't even get, like, two hours. Usually we get, you know, Anthony Davis we've been percolating over all week. The Knicks didn't give us two hours before they traded him to the Dallas Mavericks. So the, the terms of the trade are Kristaps, Courtney Lee, Tim Hardaway Jr., and Trey Burke are all going to the Mavericks. Uh, in exchange, the Knicks get Dennis Smith Jr., Wesley Matthews, DeAndre Jordan, and two future first-round picks. The protections on those are somewhat tricky because the, the Mavs owe their top five protected first to the Atlanta Hawks this year for the Luka Doncic deal. So two years after that pick conveys could happen as early as this year, uh, they have to send an unprotected first round pick to the Knicks. And then two years after that pick conveys, they're sending a top 10 protected first round pick to the Knicks as well. So Deeks. Oh, hang on. Oh. And, and if the pick hasn't been conveyed in 2025 for the first rounder, it actually becomes a second rounder. Ah, I hadn't even seen that. Okay. Yeah. Good. Nice. So, Deeks, let's let's start with the Knicks side of things because I think really I think both sides' motivation is clear here. Um, the Knicks wanted to create salary cap space to go for a run at you know now now they have seventy million plus in salary cap space this summer depending on where their first round pick lands. So, they have the chance to add two max salary free agents. And it seems like I watched it, one of the most pleasant experiences on Twitter yesterday was watching Knicks fans go through like the five stages of grief very quickly. Like they were all just outraged at first. And by the end of the night, they're like, oh, okay, you know what? Yeah, maybe we didn't want Kristaps. Maybe we do want this this chance to add two Max guys. What do you think of the deal, Deeks, from the Knicks perspective? Well, all these years, we wanted them to pick a lane and bottom out. They have. Mm-hmm. They've really bottomed out. They had one good player. And he's now gone for future assets, which, as you said, Morton may not be seen until the middle of the next decade. So they very much bottomed out. They very much given themselves a chance in free agency, like you say. The downside to all this, of course, is that to have any chance in free agency in a market in which they are far from the only bidder and there's not the same caliber of players to bid on as there has been in years past, they've got a very bare cupboard. What would you be coming to join? In theory, yes, you could be coming to join Kevin Durant if he is he's the first domino to fall, Zion Williamson plus Kevin Knox and Dennis Smith, whatever else from the incumbent roster works out. In practice, not a great offer at the moment, not unless you genuinely see lure and magic and potential in the future of the Knicks. But let's not be fooled right into thinking this actually came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere on the Twitter sphere. And Twitter, much as it's hard to keep information in these days, 
it's not as real time as things play out on there. Yeah, I was with you. Went from starting to write a Paul Zingis thing to having to throw it away when it turns out he was going to Dallas. It moved very quickly, but it didn't really move very quickly. I'm sure there was a meeting today, but that doesn't mean the discussion started today. So any notion, not that you said it implicitly or otherwise, Brian, but some people have said it, any notion that they rushed this, they had a meeting and panicked and just went, ah, let's get what we can. Not true. They were picking from the letter from a while in advance. We just didn't know about it. Why would we? Who are we? So... This was a deliberate decision on the part of the Knicks and one in which I guess you could say their hand was slightly forced because the the new lineup, the new management and decision-making trust of the team were bearing the brunt of the failures of the previous one. Mm-hmm. They have had to give away their best player in order to dump two bad contracts that were given out in free agency and that's notwithstanding the fact that Lance Thomas is still there and they had to stretch Joachim Noah earlier on this year. So... They have had to get rid of assets, the thing that we've always lamented them not having enough of, in order to burn away the uh, unnecessarily big contracts that were given out. This team is bearing the brunt of the previous management team in that respect, but also in the fact that Porzingis' criticisms of the Knicks that have made him feel this way, they're pretty valid. You know, they are pretty valid. Uh, They were pretty valid anyway. So what we see now with the Knicks is we see them genuinely picking a lane. They were doing quite well considering their circumstances over the course of the season in picking that direction anyway. Yeah, worst record in the NBA, terrible team on the court without Paul Zingis, but they were finding a couple of pieces. Mitchell Robertson, Damian Dotson might be useful, even Alonzo Trier as an undrafted two-way player. Uh, Natilla Keener, not sure how that's going to work out. Knox is not off to the greatest start, but even they were finding some value in the retreads with Trey Burke, with Noah Vonley, with Emmanuel Moudier, who's even managed to improve slightly. That's the point of being bad. If you're going to be bad, be bad young, be bad cheap, and be bad distinctly. These are things they weren't before and they were floating. They have now picked a direction. Now, the big question, of course, is quite simply, is Porzingis worth what they got, or is he worth more than that? I think no one could disagree that a healthy Porzingis with team control is worth more than that. But here's the thing. If you know your guy's going, because this, this, this idea of him accepting the qualifying offer that briefly did the rounds in real time as well, that's residual information back from when he was a Nick. He would have accepted the qualifying offer with the Knicks. He didn't want to say as a Nick. In Dallas, that probably does not apply. We need not worry about that now. But if they knew that, and of course they did, what they've got is a situation a bit like New Orleans are facing with Anthony Davis, which is, I'm your best player and I'm leaving in 18 months regardless. Get rid of me now. Except he doesn't have the leverage of Anthony Davis because he's not as good. Yeah, he's very good, but Davis is several tiers above. He's not healthy, and he doesn't even have that extra year of team control. He does have restricted free agency, yes, but if he's genuinely prepared to bypass that, then there's no team control there. So what do you expect in that situation? These aren't going to be the best first-round picks, no, but they're plenty good enough if you know what to do with them. Dennis Smith, I'm not sure what to make of him as a prospect. I'll be honest and say I haven't thought much of him so far. How can we? He hasn't done anything. He certainly struggled for the most part to play alongside someone like Doncic, just as you'd imagine he would play alongside someone like Durant. There's an awful lot of work to do there in him as a project. But the Knicks finally accept they're not rushing. So how bad can it be? It could be terrible if they don't if they don't use these assets and particularly the ones upcoming this summer in free agency optimally and if they do get unlucky in the lottery and what it could be a chance that Zion just plummets down to somewhere like let's say hypothetically fifth or sixth at that point you've given away your best player just to stay down the bottom for a while but it could be the very very quick reload it is this idea of Nick's exceptionalism that 
they haven't had for the longest time. We we I think we sometimes say that they have because of their long stubborn refusing to rebuild, but whilst they haven't been rebuilding for so many years, even going back to the days of Clarence Weatherspoon, they have been reloading, trying constantly to stay out of the gutter and thus never having aspirations of getting to the top that were realistic, apart from that one fluky finals appearance. But the Lakers were in the same boat over these last few years. They targeted Lakers' exceptionalism. And whilst I'm not bigging them up too much, as we'll come on to when we talk about Anthony Davis, they did get LeBron James the best player of the last generation. So how you have to have ideas of exceptionalism to be exceptional or be really lucky. They weren't really lucky, so maybe it's time for a directional change. Yeah, uh, I'm glad you touched on the quality. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance playing off your part because we'll, we'll talk about that when we get to Dallas and Porzingis but you're right if, if the if Porzingis told them or even threatened with them like I'm going to take the qualifying offer I'm going to leave in 2020 then you were under pressure to move now because I you know I saw on Twitter yesterday people were saying well why not like call his bluff why not wait into the summer and then if he really is serious about taking it then you can trade him then well you can, but it's much more difficult. Like you could theoretically sign and trade him, but it's much more difficult to pull that off because a he has to agree to where he's going, the team he's going to has to offer him the contract he wants, and there are cap restrictions. Like you can't use the taxpayer MLE and execute a sign and trade. So there there just aren't as many teams that could have acquired him in the summer than there are now. So that's one complicating factor, but more. You know, Deeks talked uh, or touched on it. Like, this is now the big question for the Knicks. Like, now they're going into this ridiculously important summer where, you know, they've been long rumored as a possible destination for Kevin Durant, Kemba Walker, Kyrie Irving. If they don't hit on free agents, if they don't get like a superstar this summer, is this just a complete bust of a trade? Of course, because it all hinges on this. I mean, look, the, the the Knicks right now are hoping to regain this this lost value through getting in, a, you know, a superstar, a superstar level talent. So what they're hoping for is that their acquisitions this summer is going to just simply make the the Porzingis trade minuscule in the grand scheme of things. But the, there's just such a great variance in what they could potentially get. Like Mark alluded to to it already. So the best case scenario is basically like winning lottery and getting Sion, then signing you know Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, like two top tier guys. Mm-hmm. But the worst case scenario is dropping down to like fifth or sixth and getting like I don't know Cam Reddish who's shooting like thirty four percent from the field this year. Right. Reddish can't be good, but you catch my drift. And then not getting Durant or Kyrie Irving and having to overpay potentially for like Tobias Harris and someone else. Like, don't get me wrong, I love Tobias Harris, but he's not a Kevin Durant-type player. Right. So if they end up you know, paying too much money for players who are no, not the major difference makers that they should be, and we know that the Knicks have a history of this, mm-hmm. and they get a rookie who is not particularly great, be that Reddish or someone else, 
then they're stuck. And then that it's an obvious loss. So I, I, don't, I don't remember a single season where we've seen a team going to the offseason having such a, a distinct variance in what could actually happen. It, it seems like most teams actually try to make the margin of error somewhat wide. Mm-hmm. With the Knicks, like it's it's either or. Like they have to get a top level talent. If they don't, it's messed up and it's done. It's done. No, I don't agree. I, I I see much the same reasons for it, but I arrive at a different conclusion to you, Morton, with all due respect. Which is, I absolutely agree with you that if they do come out with it with someone like Tobias signed for nearly a hundred million, and that is a bit of a mistake. With all due respect to the excellent Tobias Harris, I agree with that. But I don't think that makes this a bust of a trade. What we mustn't do is hold the Knicks of the present against the Knicks of the past. Yes, James Dolan is still there and he has a legacy of this impatience. At the same time, we're seeing it differently right now. We're seeing decision makers empowered to make different decisions to that which have happened before. This is uh-huh. a new approach from the Knicks. Let's not doom it to failure. Failure in would be... I appreciate that I said earlier on that it would be terrible if they did not were not able to land the players of Durant and Zion Caliber through the draft and free agency. I appreciate that. That doesn't mean that the trade is terrible, however, because what's the alternative? The alternative is you bring back Porzingis on the one-year qualifying offer. He doesn't want to be there. He then walks anyway. You get even less. If he really has put the line in the sand like that, which considering his health and injury, sorry, health and the lack of wins over the entire time of his in the NBA, it's plenty plausible that he did so. If he really was going to come back for the qualifying offer, then why is this a bust of a trade? Because what was the alternative? I'm not saying that Dennis Smith, a lot of financial savings and two future first-round picks that might not amount to a hill of beans is a great return, but what Uh is the realistic better one? That's fair. Then I'll say this. If the Knicks went into this trade, then I agree with you we can't say here and say with certainty that it would be a bust, but if the Knicks went into this trade thinking and prioritizing cap space, which we know is a very volatile asset because you can't get, there's nothing guaranteed with cap space. If that's the priority coming into this trade and going, you know what, we need to trade Porzingis for cap space specifically instead of other attractive you know, assets, it, it, it again, it depends on how they view Dennis Smith Jr. If they think he's the next coming of Derrick Rose, like, all right, fair enough. Like, that's your prerogative. That's fine. But I, I would, if I'm trading a guy like Porzingis, even though there's this, you know, inherent presence of fear that he would take the qualifying offer, I still have to assume there is better talent deals to be had out there. So what I'm working under the assumption that the Knicks wanted cap space and that was their main prior- prerogative going into this trade. I also can't say that word. I, yeah, thank you. <laughs> prerogative, think, there we go. I think that the, the prerogative was, was yep. not let's deal pausing his <laughs> cap space. It's we now have to, I'm determined to carry on despite your unprofessional giggling over my talking. I didn't giggle over you because you, you, know, you weren't funny. Um, but I think the prerogative was that they realized they had to deal Porzingis and cap space became the most realistic thing they could get from the offers made to them. I don't think, well, we can't say with any certainty, but who else was going to take right. on the amount that Dallas has? Because that's a lot less from Remember. I mean, it's Tim Hardaway Jr. has got a couple of big years left. Courtney Lee's getting paid an awful lot for not very much. Uh, yeah, admittedly, it's not for as long, but these are significant chunks of the cap in a year where they potentially do have the chance to get two greats in the form of Kyrie and Durant. And even if they end up going the Clay Thompson route, these are big additions to the team. So I don't think they set out for cap space. I think they set out for quality with a bit of cap saving and then settled on more cap space for less future assets because that's what was there. And I think that's fine. 
See, that, that's interesting because Brian and I on this podcast have talked at length about you know packaging stars with bad contracts. For example, like the Kemba Walker uh, example we've had up several times. We've been of the opinion that if you were going to trade Kemba Walker, you shouldn't combine him with a bad contract because then you would actually limit what you can get back in. So what's your feeling about that with the Porzingis trade? Well, I mean, what are we saying? Are we saying that you wouldn't pair Kemba with, let's say, Nick Batum because you're going to get less quality back for Kemba than you would otherwise by not anchoring him to one of the worst contracts of the last few years versus yeah. Porzingis, where that's the complete opposite of what happened? Are you saying which which approach would I prefer? No, how, how is it the opposite? Because like you have Tim Hardaway Jr., who is you know overpaid. I think that's fair to say. Courtney is on a deal that you know, how many minutes has he played this year? He's basically not played a lot, right. and he's earning what 11, 12 million, 12, and, yeah, and for, 12 so. for an additional year. Yeah. So what I'm what I'm arguing is, if you traded Porzingis, just him alone, wouldn't you be able to get you know a better return on him because you didn't attach bad contracts? Yeah, but why? I mean, surely you want to. Surely the point here is to have as many cracks of the whip as you can. Let's look at the process with Sam Hinkie. They didn't right. go all in for one approach. And Brian, I know you're happy that I brought that up. They sure. gave themselves all of the cap room and as many first round picks as possible because you know you will not hit on every opportunity. You just won't. It doesn't happen. It's too much of a lottery. There's too much luck involved. It is a literal lottery in the draft. So they gave themselves many cracks at the whip. It didn't work out with yeah. Okafor. It didn't work out with no one's no Lens Noel, but it did work out with Embiid. It did work out with Ben Simmons. It did work out with Robert Covington. And they only had these options because they took so many chances. So rather than Nick saying, let's get the best possible single individual player in terms of Wazingis, which I know is not strictly what you said, but that was the subtext. Rather than saying that, someone about whom we know a fair bit already, why not say, let's get ourselves picks and cap space? They're the two best assets for improving the core of our team going forward. Let's get as many of those as possible. They didn't have many, so now they have a lot. I know it's very unlikely that anything will become as good as Porzingis was pre-injury, but considering he seemingly was going anyway, you have to try yeah, Mark, but here's the thing: they got. Oh, sorry, Brian. Go well, ahead. I just think the distinction between what the Knicks did and like that theoretical Kemba situation is the the Hornets aren't going to have cap space if they make that move, or they likely won't. I mean, they, even if they did, no one's going to go to that team. Whereas the Knicks, as Deeks alluded to, like the Knicks exceptionalism, now they can at least put a scare into every other team that has a big free agent this summer. Like, the Celtics right. wake up this morning and cannot feel great, as we'll talk about later. Because now you... And the Warriors, too. Like, now you can at least present the appearance of, we can take two of your guys. So, you know, I do wonder, like... Because Derek Bodner of The Athletic reported some teams just had no idea Porzingis was available. Like, they had called the Knicks in recent weeks, and the Knicks said, no, he's not available. So... Deeks, as you said, I mean, this trade did not come together in two hours. I mean, uh, Steve, I think Steve Perry came out last night and said they've been talking at least for a couple days with teams. Uh, I do wonder if, like, if, if a Sacramento knew about this. Like, that that was one team as I was going to sleep last night where I was like, damn. Because you could have offered, like, Marvin Bagley. The Kings have cap space already. They have expiring contracts and Zach Randolph, etc. So, like... I feel like other offers might have been out there if it was better known that Chris Dobbs was available. I don't know how common knowledge that was throughout the NBA. But 
I think that like the overall point here is you, we can't evaluate this deal really from either side until July. Like we don't know if the Knicks get Kyrie and KD, no one's going to miss Kristaps that much. If they sign Tobias Harris, as you said, or if they sign like Mac Marcus Gasol to a four-year max, then it's a disaster. And then there's some there's some middle ground. Like they might maybe they get one free agent and they roll that cap space over to next year. They sign guys on like one-year balloon deals, and that's that. And then they go free agent hunting in 2020. Like we just don't know what's going to happen, so it's hard to like say this is a cataclysmic failure or it's like a raging success. It's just like, let's see what happens in July. And then that will inform how good or a bad of a trade this will be. Well, that's true of every trade and that doesn't make for very good content. I mean, every I trade is best evaluated <laughs> down the road. We let's be objective about what we know. I think at the risk of restating my position, I do think it's important to say that even though there are potential bad outcomes from this for the Knicks, particularly this summer, but also over the slightly longer term future, I don't think that makes this trade a mistake or a failure. That's fair. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-sized prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Includes in-store clearance. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. moon, yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart thank you progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates discounts not available in all states or situations let's flip then to the dallas mavericks because you know their motivation is also clear dirk nowitzki is this could very well be his last year you have luka Doncic on board he looks like a franchise cornerstone now you get Kristaps Porzingis, and before he went down with this torn ACL, I mean, he had been named to the All-Star game, he is coming off of a career year, like, he looked the part of a future top 20, 15, top 10 player, maybe? Like, guys like this just don't become available all that often. And now, I mean, you know, there, as we just discussed, there are reasons why. The injury, his dissatisfaction with the Knicks the threat of him taking the qualifying offer. Uh, Deeks, let's start with that because, I, you know, when the news came out, I think Shams Charania of The Athletic <laughs> was the first to report it. He said that, you know, as of now, Porzingis planned to inform the Mavs that he was going to pick up his qualifying offer. He later, like, kind of backtracked on that and said, like, Porzingis loves Luka and loves Dirk, and then Woj came out and said... Luca hasn't made up his mind, but if you're the Mavericks, how seriously do you take the threat of him signing that qualifying offer? Well, if you don't back yourself in situations like this, then you don't do a trade like that. I wouldn't worry about that. I think that particular piece of reporting, whilst not adding any inside information of my own, just drawing the lines here, I think that was a residual effect from what he had told the Knicks, which is, I'm taking the qualifying offer. And then when you make a call, okay, we've heard there's a trade, what's going on? Well, he said he's going to take the qualifying offer. Then that gets reported. I imagine it's something like that, which is not a criticism of the reporters. They're working with what they know. 
I fully expect that to change in Dallas. Why wouldn't it? If he's genuinely happy to be there, if he knows he's going to get paid as much as he wants, because if Dallas don't pay him as much as he wants, again, you don't do that deal. If he knows that, if he's got Luca to play with, who's uh, already a star, only going to get better, young and fun and all that good stuff, on a team that now does have a core going forward and possibly the best young pairing in the NBA already, why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't you stay? Why would you worry about that if you're Dallas? It's like, hi, we've valued you very highly and we're willing to pay you the maximum to play alongside someone about as good as you can possibly play with. Would you like to stay? Uh, yeah, I think I would. <laughs> so I, I don't think there's going to be a problem and there's no reason that Dallas will shirk it. And if they will have sniffed out the possibility, of course, why wouldn't you do your diligence before a trade? And they still made it. So what does that tell you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, we have seen, like, Greg Monroe, Nerlens Noel, like, we have seen guys turn down long-term deals and go for a qualifying offer because they want more control over their situation. But given the injury and given, you know, like, just he's out of the Knicks. Like, the Knicks have just been one of the most dysfunctional franchises, if not the most dysfunctional franchise in the last 10, 15, 20 years. The Mavericks, by all accounts, are a well-run organi- organization Rick Carlisle is a respected coach. Mark Cuban is a respected owner. Sexual harassment <laughs> scandal notwithstanding. Um, and Luca, as you said, is like, I mean, he's going to be one of the brightest stars in the NBA if he continues on this trajectory. So, you know, I wrote, I've got a piece going up at the Basketball Writers soon, if it isn't up already, um, about the perspective from the Mavs. And, like, part of the thing I wrote was, these. this is... For both Luca and Kristaps, these are the best teammates they played with in the NBA. Like Kristaps, for him to have put up those numbers last year while playing on that terrible Knicks team, like now he doesn't need to be the go-to crunch time scorer every time down the floor. Like he's got Luca, who's already one of the best crunch time scorers, who's also a great passer. He's gonna make Kristaps Porzingis better. So like on court, I love the fit, but. More, there is some risk involved here because not only not only is Kristaps theoretically a flight risk, but he is also an injury risk. And those two first round picks, I mean, that, you know, if their pick conveys to Atlanta this year, that first round unprotected pick is going to the Knicks in 2021. And then if Kristaps, for whatever reason, does take the qualifying offer and leave in 2020, that could be a really good pick. So. How do you weigh the? Well, risk? they still have Dantage. Yeah, like how do you weigh the risk reward here for Dallas? I, I think Dallas looked at the. Tra- 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 oh my God, I am just messing up on English today. Fair <laughs> enough. I looking at Dantage and his career path, and, and and just decided, you know what, by twenty twenty one or and twenty twenty three and all all that, he's going to be you know a top tier talent in this league if he's not already, which is mm-hmm. insane. He's nineteen, but at that point, like he should be responsible for. for more or less 30 wins in a season, and if they can just get him reasonable supporting staff, that should at least help not make it a top-tier draft pick. Okay, But I want to re- rewind a little bit, because you and I actually have... We've talked about Porzingis on previous episodes, mm-hmm. and you were, you were pretty much against the whole, you know, Porzingis taking the qualifying offer in New York. And all the while, I was like, nope, I, this dude is <laughs> wired differently, because I, I knew it was something up there with him, because... He he was just so distraught from like two years ago already. Yeah, that it just it was, like, this was bound to happen. He stayed in New York, obviously. 
he would have picked up that qualifying offer and he would have been a best the best player to do it ever i think yeah uh with the swift did it i just want to put that in there and ben gordon did it too There's, classics like, absolutely yeah. classics. your yeah. point stands mikhail petrius as well um but yeah so i i know that there's like this whole idea that you know porzingis wouldn't do it because of the injury and whatnot but mm-hmm. with the knicks i think absolutely but i agree with mark i i don't think i don't even consider him a flight risk in dallas necessarily yeah. i mean you know a better run organization like you mentioned luka Doncic, just the mere presence of him being there uh, and the fact that Dallas can build something. We haven't even discussed, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr.'s potential evolution under Rick Carlisle. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not a big Tim Hardaway Jr. fan, right. but I, I do acknowledge that he has a considerable skill set that could be uh, maybe pen- manipulated into contributing the right way by Carlisle. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I think Dallas have a pretty stable uh, team looking at it forward. And I think it's what they did right now was being really proactive. You and I have talked about, you know, Luka Doncic and and who you should surround him with. I mean, we had a 100-minute podcast on this. And one of the key points that we hit on was, you know, the the worst thing that could happen was putting Doncic into an Anthony Davis situation where he would just, in his prime, sit there, look around and go, okay, I have very few pieces around me that are legit building blocks. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, even though I, I... have somewhat complimentary of the players that New Orleans do have alongside Davis, but that's beside the point. Uh, he obviously doesn't feel that way, and that's what you want to avoid with Dantich. Yeah. Like, the Mavs have not been a traditional free agent destination. I mean, they if they get guys, they got Wes Matthews, they got DeAndre Jordan, you have to overpay them, and you can't overpay a max caliber player. Every team can offer the same. They weren't going to be bad enough with Luka barring a catastrophic injury they weren't ever going to be in a position to get a top three pick unless they got really lucky in the lottery so like this felt like their swing to get that second star that it otherwise would have been very difficult for them to get like I I just Mm -hmm. don't I don't see a way that they would have been able to get a player of Porzingis caliber like yeah they could have had I think close to 50 million in cap space this summer but like Okay, who are they going to sign with that fifty million? It's going to be that has a ceiling higher than what Porzingis has next to Doncic. I don't think there's anyone there. So like, there is considerable considerable risk involved in this deal, but to me, it's like the ceiling of this deal outweighs that risk. Like, no deal in the NBA, no trade in the NBA is without risk. Like that other right. so. You know, like, yeah, Porzingis, maybe his body just isn't made to play basketball. But I don't think he's a Brandon Roy who just, like, didn't have knee cartilage or a Greg Oden. Like, yeah, he tore his ACL, but that's not a career-ending injury, especially since the Knicks have been very conservative with his timetable to return. And the Mavericks presumably will be as well. Like, I, I, And he can shoot. Right. Which which is, like, a sustainable <clears throat> skill set. Yeah, like, they're, the Doncic-Porzingis... On-court fit just seems so perfect together that I think this is a deal for... If you're the Mavericks, you're like, yeah, you gave up your salary cap space this summer, but more, as you said, like, Courtney Lee and Tim Hardaway Jr., they're not world beaters, but they're competent NBA players. I mean, Hardaway's been horribly inefficient this year, but, like, look at who he's playing next to. I mean, 
you slot him in next to Doncic, Porzingis, Harrison Barnes, it's a whole new world for him. I think he'll be better in Dallas than he was in New York. And Courtney Lee is a perfectly adequate, I mean, not again, not a world beater, but like he is a 3 and D wing, in on paper at least. Even Trey Burke, I mean, they don't, you know, J.J. Barea is done for the year with an Achilles tear. Like, he'll give them some decent backup point guard minutes off the bench. So I think this trade will at least keep them competitive enough in the short term. And then once Porzingis is back in the fold, like, I, I just, I, I think it's a move you have to make if you're Dallas. Well, let's keep it simple from a Dallas point of view. Do you do this deal? Yeah, of course you do. Job done. Absolutely you do. There's not a problem there whatsoever. They've traded nothing of any particular substance apart from cap space for for one year. Frankly, let's not forget that Courtney Lee expires quite soon. Mm-hmm. Donchus is still going to be cheap for the next three years. There's nothing else clogging up that cap. They're still going to have cap flexibility going forward. It just won't be all entirely this summer like it will for New York. They've offered up that a point guard that wasn't getting anywhere yeah point guards do take time as D'Angelo Russell has proven but he was never going to be an optimum fit alongside Luca anyway he was only there because he predated him and some first round picks that if they foresee themselves being as good as they can be with the Doncic and Porzingis pairing will be in the 20s anyway so yeah all day mate you do that deal that's not a problem whatsoever and with regards to Doncic and Porzingis as a pairing um, that does hinge on uh, Rick Carlisle because Porzingis was misused last year. Why is he getting elbow touches? Why is anybody getting elbow touches, really, unless you're LaMarcus Aldridge? But why is he getting them? Why is he having to take awkward turnarounds? Why is that guy not rolling to the rim and running the court? Well, guess what? He can now if used properly. He was putting up, I think it was 22 points per game, not particularly efficiently, um, whilst also having to man the interior and be everything like you say. Well, now he can be more of the ultimate finisher in a way not unlike that of Davis. He's not as good as Davis. He probably never will be, but use him more like it and you'll see more results like that. So, um, absolutely no doubt whatsoever that Dallas should have done this. Um, I think it's one of the most obvious, yes, we do this deals going forward. Um, Sorry, going forward, they now also have... Yeah, they have struggled in free agency. They've had some bad misses, the Rondo deal in particular, when it came to that trade. But they got a few good bits out of it. Dwight Powell, he's all right. Dorian Finney-Smith, useful, versatile defender. Jalen Brunson looks pretty handy off the bench. They had, prior to this deal, a giant talent disparity where Doncic was great and they had no other above-average NBA starters. Jordan's tapered off. Uh, Smith wasn't playing well. Matthews is a shell of what he was, unfortunately, to say. Dirk is uh, incredibly dumb, which is frustrating but fair and then that was it they had a couple of decent bench guys now they got a core too they got flexibility going forward they don't have many first round picks they don't especially need them because if you really value uh, Luka Doncic alone as enough as an incentive to keep Porzingis then they're going to be even more of a lure once they've got the two of them though it's an easy do for Dallas easy 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 yeah I mean as you said that like the cap flexibility even if Hardaway Jr's got that player option for 2020 2021 but Luca's under his rookie deal for three more years, so you now, if you're the Mavericks, have a chance. Like you're, you're I think they're capped out next year, or pretty close to it, so they're not going to be able to add at much of impact. They'll probably add like a maybe a big man with their attack or their mid-level exception. Well, they'll want to go for like a second contract guy, a bit like Memphis did with Kyle Anderson, that type of thing. With yeah. with what they've got next year, but they still got flexibility going forward because power still winds up. Um, Lee and Hardaway will be gone, or at least Hardaway will be stretchable um, yep. when he's, if he exercises that player option. They've got money going forward, and they've certainly got an owner that's willing to spend it. So, yeah, plenty of opportunity for them still to acquire. Sorry, I cut you off. 
Yeah, no, exactly. That was the point. Yeah, like Luca, his extension won't kick in until 2022. I mean, Kristaps will presumably be on a max deal or close to it. But aside from that, they really have nothing on their books after 2020. I mean, Hardaway Jr. will likely pick up his $19 million player option. But as you said, they can either keep him or stretch him. But like they have the opportunity now. If Kristaps and Luca play as well as... I would personally expect them to play next year. You know, I just said the Mavericks aren't typically a free agent destination, but stars want to play with other stars, and the Mavericks now have two of them. They have a very appealing pitch to a third member of a big three. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-sized prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clothes. Clearance. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-sized prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance all right let's switch gears though because we also have to before all of this Kristaps stuff came out we had anthony davis updates as well first i remember remember him yeah 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 this other guy who happens to be on the trade block so first was the report that came out from Woj. i think it it had like every espn writer byline on it i think it was Woj, ramona shelburne ian begley and zach lowe that del demps was not picking up his phone for the lakers which Lakers Twitter just got in an absolute tizzy over. Later, it comes out that, oh, it turns out Del Demps has picked up his phone and had spoken to the Lakers days in advance, apparently. So Brad Turner of the Los Angeles Times reported that on Wednesday, Magic Johnson spoke with Demps, offered him five different packages for Anthony Davis, one of which would include Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, Zubach, and a first-round pick. Deeks, now that Kristaps has been traded, in theory, I mean, you know, like the Knicks were theoretically trying to wiggle their way into that conversation as well, but Kristaps, in theory, was supposed to be a big part of that. How do you think this, the Kristaps trade in particular, affects now looking ahead these Anthony Davis negotiations should should the Lakers feel like they have more leverage now like do they think the Knicks are out um do they think they you know if the Pelicans are going to move ahead of the deadline like they now clearly have the best package and if you're the Pelicans what how does this affect your thinking as well do you are you now even more inclined to wait because you know you want to see what happens with the Knicks first round pick because like maybe you you think, hey, Dennis Smith Jr., the Knicks first-round pick, these two firsts they just got from Dallas, Kevin Knox, and Tilakina, like, they could cobble together an interesting offer over the summer. 
Uh, I don't know if it will affect it all that much on account of the fact that it wasn't likely or realistically or indeed should have been New York that the Lakers, etc. were trying to outbid. I don't know if Davis to New York was ever particularly realistic, either by trade or by free agency. Nevertheless, I guess it's possible, but from New Orleans' point of view, um, I, I shouldn't think it would change anything either because I believe the SE has to go between now and next week because for the same sort of logic as Paul Zingis, He's going anyway, so let's do this. Like he he will opt out in twenty twenty. Full stop. Capital letter. He will. He just will. Why wouldn't he? Big payday coming up. He's one of the game's greats. So that's going to happen. At which point, why resign in New Orleans? What's their leverage? Their leverage is they can pay him more money. But he clearly is not bothered by that, which is why he said let's go. So they've got no leverage. They're going to lose the guy. Why trade him in the summer? The only advantage to trade him into the summer is that you can trade him to Boston, who currently is the only team that you cannot trade him for due to the Rose Rule, as it's known. Mm-hmm. Fine. But that's more of a Davis issue than a Pelicans issue. Their issue is not where he goes. Their issue is what he gets back. After he's gone, he's got his own agency. That's his own business. They want to see what the best they can get back is. I will be surprised and a little bit offended if it is what the Lakers are offering, because... Those players, as mentioned, are all good. I'm a little bit worried, though, that Zubac is the best of the bunch, but never mind. Uh, They're all quite good, fine. But as the Knicks have had... Sorry, as the Mavericks have just found out when we're talking about the uh, Doncic and Porzingis pairing, quality of youth is about how you establish a core, not the quantity. The Lakers have found this out themselves because that very core they've just offered up, ironically... Julius Randle's already signed with the Pelicans. <laughs> right. That very team they yeah. have uh, treaded water with while they were waiting for their Lakers' exceptions and plans to come off. Didn't get anywhere. And maybe they would have done. Maybe they'd have cracked the 40. Maybe they'd be at the level that the Pelicans are at now or the Doc Rivers and Pat Garrity Orlando Magic team managed back in the day. What is that level? 42 wins or something? The Milwaukee Buck teams with Glenn Robinson, Sam Cassell. All my references are old. I'm an old, old man. Why that is that the upside of that team that they are now trying to strive away from and get to that Lakers exceptionalism two star model? If it is, which they should surely believe it is, otherwise they wouldn't be offering it, then why would New Orleans want that? When you can in theory have a package built around Jamal Murray, who could genuinely be a star in this league. And that's just one other suitor. There's many others coming. I'm sorry, Morton, I stole your example, but I agree with you <laughs> that Denver, it would be a fantastic place for Davis to go, and I'll let you explain why. Well, uh, yeah, I've already mentioned this on numerous occasions on this podcast, but like they yeah, but I, I don't so- listen to it, so you know. You know this, this, <laughs> oh, this, this, thank this you, thank you. Your, your support <laughs> is greatly appreciated. Yeah, you remember um, the intro, right? I mean, I didn't start this. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right, fair enough. Well, I mean, I just think there's a lot of assets there in, in Denver. Denver can afford to to hand out a significant trade package without actually losing their their core, and it 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 just you know you have Paul Millsap who's. Uh, earning thirty something odd million, suggesting that he he should be involved, obviously for salary cap purposes. You have you know, Jamal Murray, as you mentioned, Malik Beasley, uh, Michael Porter Jr. You know, first round draft picks. Maybe even you know if if the New Orleans insists on an inclusion of Monte Morris, you can do that as well. I mean, there are just so many guys that that can play, and and it just makes sense. And and if you include Millsap, who's on that contract that he is, you could even offer in New Orleans to take on Solomon Hill as well by then removing a bad contract. It's, it, yeah, I, I just think it makes sense on paper. And I think for Davis, who's, again, like talked about wanting to win consistently and finding a team where the window is, is pretty wide open for a long period of time, well, that's Denver. That is obviously Denver. I think it makes the most sense of any team in the league. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for 
not only this summer but next summer because like Jimmy Butler's also doing the I just want to win thing and then Anthony Davis is too. So seeing where those two guys end up, like if Jimmy Butler's like, I just want to win, and then he goes to the Knicks and he's the only one they sign, it's like, all right, Jimmy, you just wanted money. No, you, you don't. You don't care. You just want to market yourself. And same thing with Davis. It's that that's a fun subplot that'll be fun to look back on. But the other big complicating factor that's come out with the Anthony Davis stuff this week is Deeks, as you mentioned, Boston can't trade for him until July first because of Kyrie Irving being on the roster. However, Chris, I think Chris Haynes of Yahoo was the first to report this. And now there have since been a couple other people. I believe Rick Buecher of Bleacher Report did. And now Brian Windhorst came out with a report this morning. There's suddenly some doubt about Kyrie Irving. And his, you know, he came out in October and said, I plan on resigning in Boston. He did a commercial where he's like, I want my jersey hanging in the rafters of the TD Garden. It seemed like Kyrie was off the board. Suddenly, there's some doubt there about whether he really is. And Davis, who is apparently very close to Kyrie, he's, I mean, in theory, he's probably got some pretty good intel about what Kyrie plans to do. So, you know, Kyrie could have come out at some point this week and quashed this notion that he's not sold on Boston. He has yet to. Well, he does like things flat. so (laughs) So he has yet to do that. And now that does beg the question, if you're Boston especially, like, Heading into this trade deadline, are you silently shopping Kyrie Irving? If you do, do you think that, like, it, it, you know, their, their grand plan is to get Anthony Davis, and that will convince Kyrie to resign. But suddenly now you have to weigh, well, maybe we might not have either guy. So, Deeks, how do you think Boston, for the next six days, approaches this trade deadline? Well, the... Kyrie discontent, if it does indeed exist, uh, that could be fixed with one good uh, one good playoff run. So I wouldn't worry too much about that right now. I th- I would suspect that part of the seeds of doubt are coming from the over and well-established pursuit of Davis, which, if it's unsuccessful, um, will probably only help their relationship with Kyrie because at that point he would be the man still. Um, I don't think they will get Davis. I think Davis is going this week. And of course, that can't be Boston unless Kyrie is sent out simultaneously, which I think is both an error to do and completely not on their minds. So I think Davis will go elsewhere, which leaves Boston, as you say, with uh, a deadline without Davis in it. And at that point, I wouldn't be surprised nor discouraged were they to pretty much stand pat. You might trim the edges, but I wouldn't go much further than that because... We haven't seen the potential of this current team yet. This is not the Boston team we're expecting to see. I believe they're fifth in the Eastern Conference and they're quite a way back from first, but they're headed the right direction. Marcus Smart has hit his stride. He's started hitting his shots, more importantly. He's led the team. I believe they're 10 and 10 without him in the lineup or 10 and 11, something like that. Considerably better with him because he adds what they're missing and Gordon Hayward will do the same when he's healthy. He's obviously not. This is not the same Gordon Hayward. The whole idea of a trade deadline is for mid-season reinforcements, but you get Gordon Hayward back and you're pretty much going to get one anyway. So, I wouldn't worry too much if I was Boston. This was not a team built to succeed. Sorry, sorry, it was a team built to succeed in the short term, but not only to succeed in the short term. Thus, there's no reason now to start getting impatient just because your main guy may be gone. And to be honest with you, they must consider that even if their main guy is gone, they will probably have a crack in 2020 like everyone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I guess the only consideration if you're Boston is, do you think Kyrie is a legitimate flight risk in 2019? 
Like, do you think, especially with the Knicks having now opened this cap space, do you think he wants to play with KD in New York? Or do you think the Knicks are somehow going to swing a trade for Anthony Davis and he wants to join Anthony Davis in New York? Do you think he wants to go to the Clippers or rejoin LeBron with the Lakers? How's- well, that may be true. That may be true. Sorry, that may be true that he is a flight risk, but even if he is, what are you going to do? Deal him preemptively? Who to and why? Because whoever takes him on, they're going to have even greater flight risk concerns with him because they'll only have five months to win him over from internally. So even if you genuinely think Kyrie might go, you can't exactly deal him right now, can you? So run the course. Yeah. And as you said, I mean, the Boston Celtics have not been the team we expected them to be. But unfortunately, now with Victor Oladipo's injury, I mean, the Pacers are flying dead stick here. Like there, there are four teams in the East now that could conceivably make it to the finals. The Celtics are one of them. I don't think you give up your shot at a real run. I mean, if they put it all together, if Hayward starts rounding back into form in the next couple months, they could be the team we all expected them to be coming into the year. And as you said, Deeks, like one deep playoff run is probably enough to convince Kyrie that you have a better chance of winning here. We're not going to lose. You know, we have our Tatum and Brown and Smart. We have all these guys locked up for a while. You have your young core. Like this is a better core than going to a dysfunctional Knicks team, even if they get KD. Like we have more talent surrounding you. So it's a really interesting spot. Like my dream scenario, because I hate the Celtics, is that either they trade for Davis and then he leaves right away, or what I think genuinely might happen is if they the Pelicans don't trade Davis by the deadline. And uh, I think Woj and company, or Windhorst, no, no, it was Woj and company, alluded to this possibility. You know, the Danny Ainge, there's nothing preventing him right now from contacting Dell Demps and saying, don't trade Davis before the deadline. We want in in the summer. Here is what we will offer you. My dream scenario is for them to say we will offer you Tatum. And then in the summer, pull Tatum off the table because it's like the quintessential Danny Ainge move. And then he get Davis gets traded elsewhere, and Danny Ainge gives his annual radio interview of "We were so close to trading for this guy, but." And then, oh man, Celtics Twitter will melt down forever. It'll be great. Yeah, this is how you market a podcast by alienating <laughs> a major fan base. Good right. job, Ryan. You know, yeah, no pretense of impartiality here, is there, gentlemen? We're zero. just drawing lines and favorites. So for you, Brian, you clearly hate Boston. Yeah. And for Morton, he absolutely loves Wendell Carter and Ajin Panava. So yes, yeah, so we're all biased. We're all biased. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only part Except of me. Chicago. I'm not biased. The only part of Chicago Morton likes is marketed and Carter. The rest could, rest could get lost. Yeah. So I mean. Obviously, like, we'll see what happens with Kyrie and with Davis and all that good stuff ahead of the trade deadline. We were planning on doing a full trade deadline preview today, but Kristaps unfortunately ruined those plans. So I think our next episode, we'll have one more before the deadline on Thursday, and we'll, we'll go through some other potential buyers and sellers there. But gentlemen, I think we should close things out with Morton's favorite topic, all-star mm. game snubs. The reserves were announced last night. So in the East, we have Ben Simmons, Nikola Vucevic, 
When it comes to investing in innovation, trust the experts. RoboGlobal provides laser-focused investment portfolios that deliver access to robotics, AI, and healthcare innovation globally. The HTech portfolio captures the technologies transforming the medical space, providing unique exposure to best-in-class companies. Investors, turn to this diversified approach backed by research from the experts. Learn more today at RoboGlobal.com slash HTEC. And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right. Save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Bradley Beal, Blake Griffin, Victor Oladipo, who will be replaced by Adam Silver. He's an injury replacement. Um, Kyle Lowry and Chris Middleton. In the West, we have Nikola Jokic, Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook, Damian Lillard, Clay Thompson, LaMarcus Aldridge, and Carl Anthony Towns. Mort, in our last episode, we gave our all-star reserve picks, and we said, look. We did, or you did? You did, <laughs> and I just piggybacked. Yeah, you, right. you, you came to some consensus, uh, and, I, yeah. and we said, look, the East, we're not going to get that bad out of shape about, because who cares? Uh, but the West, no matter who got picked, there are always going to be some notable snubs. I know there are... At least one, if not two, guys you are very passionately. I was like shocked to see you on Twitter last night. Actually upset about All Star subs. I feel like I finally won you over. But who who were you most upset well, to see not make the game? Uh, I, I that was my Luca mania though. Yeah, that that wasn't really yeah. No, I think I think obviously like let's start with Gobert. Yeah, that was the biggest snub. Like Lamarcus Aldridge over uh, over Gobert. Like no, that's <laughs> I like Lamarcus. That's I mean. Great player, but no, this this was Gobert's year. He's been magnificent. It's I get that Jazz Twitter was pretty upset. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, credit for for some of the guys. You know, going on about uh, you know that Gobert will probably actually use this as motivation, so right. he's going to be a beast moving forward this year. <laughs> yeah. I I hope so because he was not legitimately so. And then I just didn't it didn't sit right with me that Clay got in over over Luca. You know, I get it. Coaches vote and and Clay is an established star. You know, one of the greatest shooters of all time. I get all that. I I, I just look at the All Star game a little bit differently as an entertainment angle, and I think Luca is just you know he's you can argue he's a similar or not similar but equally of value of Clay. You could you could at least make the argument, mm-hmm. and then he's just way more entertaining. So that's why I would put him in. I, I think he deserves to just you know. Go in and, and pass, you know, make cross court passes and drain seven, seven triples and whatever he does. Like, yeah, that would just be better. Yeah, for everyone. See, I don't, I don't place value in in that aspect of it, and um, because, yeah, I understand that from the point of a spectacle, you want that. But when it comes to the voting and the selections, this is basically let's say who's best. That's basically what we're doing here. I agree. Yeah, and um, the entertainment is uh, ancillary benefit at best. Uh, like you say, gentlemen, no dramas with the East. Whatever. Well done, Chris Middleton. They deserve to have two All-Stars. They're the best team in the league, no doubt. Um, I would also have got Gobert in there somehow um, because I think the main argument 
benefits for Clay's inclusion are partly the team he's on, but also because although he only does a few things on the court, he does them about as well as he can do them. He is the mm. epitome of the 3 and D player. Well, is it the same not true of Gobert at centre? He doesn't do everything, but what he does do, he does about as well as you can do it. He's the legit Tarrant. He's the stifled tower on the interior there. He's a prolific rebounder. And whilst he doesn't take many shots, he absolutely knows how to play an offence in the NBA, gentlemen, with his vertical space and his time and his rolls and his screens. So he can't be better at what he does, really. All you could want him to do is more than what he does. You want him to become some kind of Blake Griffin ball handling threat. I suppose you could want that. But if we want that for him, why don't we want it for Clay? And if we reward Clay for it, why don't we reward Gobert? So as for who he'd be in over, I'm not. I'm. Di- I'm inclined to say Aldridge, but I'm not going to pick anyone specifically because then there's a what's wrong with Aldridge argument. Nothing, you know, very worthy All Star. But if any Jazz fans out there are feeling as though their player has been snubbed due to the fact that Utah are a team completely off the radar. Uh, the good or bad news, depending on your interpretation, is that it's absolutely 100% right. No one gives a toss about Utah. That's why your man's not in. It's not all right, but it happens, and I feel your pain. Yeah, I mean, it does seem like Gobert is the most notable mission either in either conference uh more you and i talked about like you know we, we were breaking down his on off splits last episode which shout out to sarah for calling us out on um i know jesse and sarah both will hear this segment of the podcast hear you cape for go bear over aldridge and flame your mentions so get excited for that but <laughs> yeah i mean i i think he needed to be in there like i get I get what, like, every single, we said it last episode, like, every single one of these guys has a good case. And I think, you know, we've heard for a while now that it's dumb. Like, why do we have conferences in the All-Star game? Just pick the 24 best players. I think, like, this year is really probably the best example so far of, like, all right, maybe we really do need to rethink that, especially with the Kristaps trade. Like, another mm. superstar talent just went from the East to the West. Like, if... If there are no conferences this year, how many All-Stars does the East get? Like, 10 at most? Like, yeah. I hedge on Oladipo, but I don't think Kyle Lowry or Middleton get in if you're just picking the 24 best players in the NBA this year, right? Shouldn't the rosters really be expanded to 13? That when you too. you think about it? Yeah, that too. The best team in the league should in almost all circumstances, have two All-Stars. So right. I appreciate comments about the relative limitation of Chris Middleton's talent. He is very good at what he does, and mm. he is the second-best player on the second-best team in the league. It's not just the Janice show out there. You can't, with all due respect, anoint Eric Bledsoe, Malcolm Brogdon, and Brooke Lopez as All-Stars. Middleton does stand above those as a clear 1B, or Tier 2, whatever you want to call him, on that team, and he's a worthy inclusion on that basis. So whilst I take your point that if you were to pick the 24 or 26 uh, most talented players in the NBA. You would not pick Chris Middleton. I'm all for Chris Middleton's selection, and I won't hear a word said against him. Oh, I mean, this not that po- you were. Not, yeah, not that you yeah. Were. This podcast has been caping for Chris Middleton for its entire existence. So, like, literally, yeah, don't listen. We've covered this. No yeah. one listens. Yeah, <laughs> true. Yeah, but literally, like, when the reserves <laughs> you started were, this, Brian, you yeah, started it. That's fair. But when the reserves were announced <laughs> last night, I wasn't even excited about Ben Simmons. I like all caps. My baby boy, Chris Middleton, is in the All Star game. Like, I'm. I'm ecstatic for him. I saw, you know, TNT showed, like, when he found out. He had this big smile on his face, and it just warmed my heart. Made me love the NBA again. So I'm, like, I'm thrilled for him. I'm just saying, if you take out 
conferences. Like, I think Gobert gets in over him. I think Doncic probably has a pretty good argument, you know, remove the team success from the equation. And if you're just looking at impact on the team, Doncic probably has a pretty good argument over him. Kyle Lowry's the other one that I'm pretty surprised by. And I guess no, 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 yeah. no. He's been great this year. Gotta get Lowry in there. Yeah, and um, I would say that I was take your point about if you took away the conferences, Gobert and Doncic probably would have made it over Middleton. I don't know if that's an argument for taking it over conferences for precisely the reasons you say Middleton's a worthy All Star. So, you know, you're penalising the East regardless. And I don't know if that's fair because the the strength at the top, the bottom's terrible. Don't get me wrong, but that's yeah. not what the All Star's about. Yeah. I mean, like, the East in a couple years, like, Tatum, in theory, once he rounds out more of his game, he'll be a perennial all-star. We'll see what, like, the the problem is we'll see what happens. Like, Milwaukee, Toronto, really every single one of those teams, every single one of the top teams in the East has some major free agents. Even Brooklyn with D'Angelo Russell, I don't think he's going to go anywhere because he's restricted. But, like, if Jimmy Butler goes west, if Chris Middleton goes west, if Kawhi goes west, it... The Pacers don't have anyone all-star worthy who's a free agent this year. Uh, if Kyrie goes west, like, we could re- I mean, next year could be the most obvious remove the conference argument yet. But I, Lowry, I, I don't know. I don't know if I, I mean, he's been, he's been great in the extent that, like, you know, he's averaging, I think, a career high in assists per game. But... I don't know. I, I, I said it last episode. Like, the narrative around him for a lot of the season is, like, is he throwing a weird temper tantrum because DeMar DeRozan got traded? So, like, yeah, I get that the Raptors are the, you know, third best team in the NBA or have the third best record in the NBA or close, I guess, fourth best. They're a little behind Denver. But, like, I get that argument. But I, I don't think more. Do you remember? I don't think either one of us picked him. Yeah, we didn't. We yeah. didn't. Um, like he was on the bubble. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think we what we came to a conclusion about was the lack of volume, and and just how his at least his offensive, you know, his scoring game. Because you can't like, offense includes passing, and right now he's doing the best he's ever done. But you know, from a scoring perspective, he he went down quite a bit, and 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 it seems like his his role in the offense is more like a, a release valve and, and spot up player which you know obviously have its merits otherwise like Clay Thompson wouldn't be in the All-Star game crying out loud <laughs> right so you know it's it's not like he's necessarily un- unworthy i don't think that's the case yeah. i'm just saying yeah it I, I had him on the bubble yeah Morton, that note that Brian just hit when he was talking does, I, I don't listen to the show does he normally do that cuz that yeah <laughs> i was <laughs> All the dogs in my neighborhood are now howling. Like, there's car alarms going off, there's windows shattered. You just went up there for five words. It was. It 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 happens like once every 15 episodes, I think. Like, once in a while. Yeah. Well, I'll have to skip the next 14 then, because that was tough to listen to. (laughs) That's the sound I made last night while the Sixers were beating the Warriors in Oracle, too. I just had to keep getting it out. That and you fell in love again with the NBA last night when Chris Middleton was picked. You go through a journey every night in this league, Brian. You might need to talk to someone about that. You know, it's it's been a rough year for Sixers Twitter. Just made me hate basketball for like two and a half months, but I'm back, baby. We're now- I'm not picking on you for any reason other than the fact that you picked on me in the intro, right? You started this war, and there are always casualties in war. And I'm sorry that this episode of your podcast is going to be the casualty. I'm sorry that I've driven away both your listeners, but you did start. <laughs> All two of them. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're we're always happy to have you on Deeks. So when we hit three hundred, if we hit three hundred, 
you're coming back on. Maybe we'll maybe even have you back on in the hundred episodes between then. But it was great to have you on today. I totally forgot as I was trolling you in the intro to ask you where listeners can find you on Twitter. So if you care to divulge, let them know where they can find you, where they can find your work, all that good stuff. Uh, I'm at Mark Deeks MBA. That's D E E K S. Stupid Nick, stupid surname you never heard of. Mark Deeks MBA is my Twitter handle. But honestly, I wouldn't follow anybody. I would no one follow me because I only do like a project every three years, so I don't do anything worth reading or writing or listening to. I'm just a very dull man. Right? Should we expect another eight hundred thousand word manifesto this year that you swear you're was, not going to do? It was four hundred thousand, so thank you for doubling that. Uh, yeah, Lord knows we need more content. Um, yes, I've done about a third of it. There wow. will be one. Wow, good to. All right, so. In all seriousness, Deeks does this off-season manifesto of every team. It's honestly the most comprehensive thing on basketball Twitter all year. So get excited for that. It's it's genuinely a great resource ahead of free agency. Uh, and insist that you pay him for it. Right. Yeah. There, there may be a paywall this year because nice. employment things haven't gone quite as well. So <laughs> we'll see. I we'll think see. that's perfectly I reasonable. Yeah. I haven't decided yet. It is whatever it is, it's well worth your money to get it when it does come out and get excited because he will then, after he finishes it, he will swear he's never going to do it again. And then he will do and it And then he's going to do it again. Yeah. 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 My favorite annual tradition in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, thank you everyone also for tuning in for not only this episode, but for all 200 or however many you have in, in months and years past. It's been fun. We will stick with you. We got a a crazy week coming up, so get excited for that. In the meantime, please follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. You can find our Twitter handles in our bio, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. And we're now being hosted on Spreaker, so follow them on Twitter at Spreaker. Until next time, until next blockbuster trade, I'm Brian Taporic. I was joined, as always, by Morton Jensen and by our very special guest, Mark Deeks. Have a good one, fellas. You too, Brian. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.